I'm just gonna launch into this because, uh, but I'm gonna use probably 45 minutes of the hour to make Brent really puff through his. So we're gonna talk about whether or not your sales team is is making the grade, and I'm gonna get through the introductions because he already introduced me. But I'm gonna take everybody to school a little bit and share with you some of the things that we've been able to extract, not just data-wise, but actionable-wise, to help people who here, I don't know all your roles, but is involved in some aspects of the variable ops or sales side of an industry. For the most part, most everybody, good, good, good. So we're gonna go over through biology and chemistry. We pick, mix those together, why? Because it is just easier for me to do it that way. Uh, computer lab, mathematics, language arts, we'll burn through this. So one thing that I'm sure Jason knows as well as I have, I started this uh, deal knows about 2008, even if I was training my own sales team before that, going out and training others. What I've learned is sadly, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. We can give you all the templates, all the processes, all the skills, but it is entirely up to you or your team to click the mouse, to pick up the phone, to make the call. There's no one there, there's no product there that lets me zap somebody yet and force them to do these things. Trust me, I'd have it if I could. But because of that, I'm a big believer in we need to be more responsible with how we hold our teams accountable. There are a lot of people in this industry with the title of manager that do not understand how to manage their staff. They've been given that title because they were good at selling cars. Their manager that trained them said, well, Jimmy is a lot like me, so you should just promote Jimmy. Just because you know how to sell a lot does not mean you are good at managing people. So there are a lot of different type of people that we employ, and I believe that there's no magic bullet, not in marketing, not in process, not anything. If there was a perfect template, I would have already invented it myself and I'd be sitting on a beach. Uh, so with that said, there are, the, the one magic bullet is your people. How you train your people, how you orientate your people from the get-go, where you find them, how you recruit them, how you interview them, and we're going backwards here, but your people. Because we, we all have four different type of people. Number ones are those brilliant minds that we see that are able, when it comes to handling internet leads or handling calls, handling leads, they're able to respond back to customers in under 15 minutes right away. They send extremely engaging emails. Uh, they go ahead and methodically make phone calls and send texts ongoing, including videos. They know how to build value in the product, in the process, in themselves. So there's a few different things you can build value on and they know how to set appointments and confirms them. Those are the best, the consistent people that do it quickly, ongoing. The next step is sort of an honor roll student, which everybody has usually one of these in their store. And these are people that respond in an hour or less, which as I said, is industry average, an hour or less. They do know how to send some worthwhile emails or they have those built into their CRM. They do include some pricing. They do attempt a few calls and texts out to these customers before giving up on them. They build some value and they set some appointments. Maybe they don't always confirm them. Then there's Joe Average, a phrase I hate, by the way. Uh, or Joe Schmo, I also hate that one. Uh, but Joe Average, one to four hour response time to their internet opportunities. They maybe send a few emails. They're very inconsistent uh, with whether or not they attach pricing to those things. Uh, is that my wife? And, uh, and they build very little value. I got her. Yeah, it's fine. And, uh, and then the last is the slacker. And unfortunately, as I go around and train dealers, we have a lot more of these people that just sit back and play on their phones. I, 
I, I came from a dealership, but not, but not, not myself. I was at a dealership three days ago, four days ago, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I swear, there a woman on the service BDC. I was going to see how long she let it go. She watched, when I tell you, five hours of telenovelas instead of making outbound calls. And I'd ask her, like, what you watching there? And she'd be like, oh, no, it's just my uh, favorite stories, you know? And I'd say, great, you know? But the manager's scared because managers are so scared to, like, piss off their employees anymore to correct people, to slap hands. So we let these things go. Oh, it's hard to find good help these days. That's not good help. Everybody else is either listening to a podcast, watching a YouTube video, texting on their phones. Work is not being done because this has all made this a me generation. And yes, we can conduct work off of this. I will tell you when you see your teams with this in their hands, they usually are not doing it. So uh, we all have those that are slow to respond. They rely too much on automated emails. They play with their phones too much. They may be called one time. And I will tell you, as we monitor how thoroughly people are following up with their leads in the CRMs, this is becoming a lot more uh, not once training and accountability is put in place, but this is a lot more commonplace than you'd like to admit. So again, we need to slap some hands and crack some knuckles if, you, uh, if we want to get our teams better. So in computer lab, just basic data. Everybody here has a CRM, right? Good, perfect. Uh, not all CRMs are, uh, somebody throw out some of your CRMs. 180, Jesus. Uh, the fact that you call that a, a CRM. <laughs> Anything else? Then solutions, uh, what is it? Auto agent. Auto agent? See, I'm not even familiar with that. Socket. I'm sure. Dealer socket. Any others? All right. So not all CRMs are created equal. I heard one good one. I heard a few other not so good ones. So regardless, I will say, uh, your CRMs need to do a lot of things for you. You need to have these things completely fleshed out by a professional in your store or by the vendor themselves, though they give really cookie cutter built-in processes. They have distribution uh, follow-up funnels. They have uh, email templates that suck, phone scripts that suck. You really need to come together and figure out what type of content do we need going out to customers. We spend so much time understanding what our ad budget is for paid search and such little in what emails are going out to customers that make us sound like idiots, that it doesn't make any sense. So we need processes built out for not just pre-sale, everybody has pre-sale, post-sale, lease retention, uh, every single different event, that needs to be built out with smart methodologies built into it. You need to have push-pull integration into your DMS, which is required. Hopefully your CRM has some level of desking and not a separate desking tool that they're using. And you should be able to alert your team with your CRM every single time, not just a lead arrives, but when a text arrives, when a customer replies back to a response already out there, because timing is of the essence. So I will tell you, you cannot just have one person ideally in your store that's an internet director or a BDC manager that has to oversee all this for the store. Your sales managers, good CRM utilization is fully driven by sales management. If sales management only has YouTube, ESPN, and ESPN.ca, and, uh, and their DMS with their desking tool open, 
which is all they have, then they are not focusing on what their team is doing. They are not holding their team accountable at all. So how do you hold people accountable when it comes to live chat? How are you handling your live chat? We already talked about that. Uh, if it's managed, then hopefully that managed company is handling that quickly. If you're doing it in-house, you really need to be, and I think JP said he was going to do it in-house, you have to be so super focused on how those leads are handled both on and off hours. Uh, are you texting your customers? I already said that we know that Canada has very difficult uh, SMS texting rules in place or laws, so to speak. But I will tell you, text is an insanely valuable tool, and yet I also think people are completely taking advantage of it. I go into CRMs and I see people will have, will have not made a phone call attempt, but they will have asked the customer to opt in to text six times. Because God forbid they actually have a conversation with somebody. Hell, that's exactly what they're trying to avoid. They're scared of the back and forth. So we need to find a way when it comes to texting these people uh, that it's able to do it done legally, compliant, but it's done for the right reasons at the right times. Hopefully you're, I would not be here in front of you today if it weren't for the videos that I started creating. I was doing stupid videos and you don't have to do that. Um, but I was doing videos, the craziest, weird, to uh, exercise my uh, demons in a cathartic manner, uh, fun videos to customers back in 2004, uh, maybe even earlier than that. The fact that dealers still haven't adopted videos to customers because uh, I will tell you it's great to hear what a person sounds like, you can pick up a lot from them. It's great to see what they write like, but you can't really uh, ever pick up on tone really well in written word. But most specifically, if they can see a visual representation of you, not just your picture, your voice, your mannerisms, and put it all together, that is when you, start, you start endearing yourself as an individual to the customers, and it's a great skate protector, because no longer do they want to just come in and work with anybody. They want to come in and work with Rob. They want to come in and work with Adam. They only want to work with the person that they have visualized themselves working with in advance. So from a mathematical standpoint, again, we look at a lot of data uh, inside of a lot of different CRMs, and we did a big so if you see Vin Solutions here, we did do a big joint white paper with Vin Solutions where we got all lead data from them over the course of, I think it was three quarters of an entire year from throughout North America, Canada, the States as well, all mixed in, and some basic HubSpot data. The average open rate, so if you send out 100 emails, HubSpot says only 32% are getting opened, 32%. Our clients, because I'm a big believer in plain text, I don't like the big, pretty banner across the top, formatting HTML, get rid of all that crap. You can do that for email blasts, stop doing it from your team. Down with the headers, immediately remove, you know what happens when you get an email from a real corporation? Where is the company's logo? It's not blasted across the top unless it's a Kohl's catalog email. It is in the signature line, which is where yours should be. Autoresponders. Autoresponders are stupid. You all, well, when I say autoresponder, there's two things. Autoresponder, to me, is that one email that goes out the moment a customer submits a lead. And then there's automated emails. Automated emails, good. Autoresponders, usually sucky. Because most autoresponders just say something to the effect of, how you doing? This is ABC Motors. Just want to let you know that we know that you submitted something and we'll get back to you in 24 hours or less. And it serves no value. Like, nobody ever clicks anything and says, hmm, I wonder if they got that. I'd really like it if they sent me something automatically with no value whatsoever letting me know. No, nobody says that. 
So unless you're going to send an immediate autoresponder with smart questions that'll elicit an immediate response and looks personal, like it was sent from a human being, there's no use doing it. But that would be the only reason to use an autoresponder because our autoresponder gets over 20, about 24% reply rate, response rate. The average for all of Solutions dealers, and we're saying, you know what, 14,000 now, yields a 2% reply to autoresponders. For a reply rate in total, and this is not just your first email, this is all emails going out from the CRM. I will tell you, we are not asking enough questions in our emails. The que everything is, uh, thanks for your inquiry. My name's Joe, I'm gonna be the one helping you. These are a great vehicle. Give me a call as soon as you're ready. I look forward to hearing from you soon. I'm happy to assist you, thanks. No question. Too often, just wanna make sure you're receiving the emails. Give me a call as soon as you're ready, thanks. If all, there are any questions, and I'll get to it later, we're asking the stupidest questions in our email. So start using smart questions, increase the reply rate. Little hint, the more people you reply with, the better off you are going to be at connecting with them, engaging with them, setting the appointment, selling the car. A unfortunate statistic we see as we measure people is the average salesperson that receives an email inquiry only makes two calls over the four, course of the first eight days of a lead's life. And I want to explain this another way. Only makes two calls. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, well, either way, yeah, they don't reach on two attempts. The average amount of call attempts it takes, and we didn't share the data for, to end up with a customer setting an appointment is six calls. Yeah, six. And, and it might be yeah, five for you, but I love that you measure the, da the data. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, even if we build out 10 calls for a, a salesperson to make, I know it's going to take six before that appointment gets set statistically back and forth, and then two are made. This is killing our ability to set more appointments. And here's the craziest part. These are people that know my team is watching them and counting, and they make two. Uh, so appointments, again, we are not enforcing enough appointments set. I remember when, you were, when I was a manager, and nobody, the sales team would never have any appointments. And I'd pull people together on a Saturday meeting and I'd say, 20 bucks for every single set appointment that you can deliver to me in the next hour. And then sales guys will actually go through the list, make calls and schedule two and come up and like, hey, got two boss, hey, 40 bucks. And it's like they won the lottery. Like they, and they don't realize that more than likely if two people show up for you, guaranteed one buy, that's the data. I sold them a car. But they're like, they hit the, looks like I'm getting Shoney's for lunch. Like, <laughs> so I, I urge you, reinforce at all times. You don't always have to incentivize these because this is their job. But I will tell you, reinforcing appointments across the board, not just from your BDC. We hold our BDCs and our internet salespeople so accountable appointments. How many appointments you got? How many appointments you got? Meanwhile, the salespeople are just sitting there playing on their phones, watching, you know, God knows what on YouTube. So. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. The BDC is required to pick up the phone and make calls, so is the salespeople. Yet, that doesn't happen. The average BDC, in at least the state's data, was 23 calls. The average BDC makes 23 outbound calls. Not enough. Should be 50 to 60. Not 120. This doesn't need to be a call center in Bangladesh. Should be making 50 to 60 good quality calls. The average salesperson makes under five. Under five calls a day. They work 60 hours a week and they make under five calls a day. So anyway, and I'll blast with that also. In regard to your processes, I submit to you that 
your team never needs to call a new lead, call. They can, you can have automated emails, but call after 30 days, period. Statistically, the majority are gonna sell. If they sell it all in six months, 100% may have bought in 120, but I'll tell you 30%, 90, 90% have bought in the, first, uh, in the per first 30 days. And I know from, uh, from the hot tub industry, it's a much longer buying cycle, but nonetheless, in automotive, if somebody buys after day 30, it's because they have submitted another lead. It's not because we called them on day 60 and asked, you're still interested? And they're like, ooh, hoot and holler, yeah, we are. No, nobody does that. Nobody cares, nobody answers the phone that late anyway. So anytime we send anything to our customers through email correspondence, it needs to do one of two things. It needs to either elicit contact or it needs to build value. As I said, we can build value in a lot. We can build value in ourselves as an individual with video, with why buy from me's. We can build value in the dealership with why buy from us's and value propositions. We can build value in the process. This is exactly everything I'm willing to do for you in advance and all the research and all the buying that you can do in advance before coming into the store and completing the sale. And we can build value in the product. I mean, I've taken the ridiculous amount of time of looking up good reviews from reputable sources on every single make and model sold Period, short of Ferrari, I've never had to do Ferrari. But uh, because nobody says, nobody will say, uh, every salesperson will say, oh, that's a really great car. They don't believe that, we're salespeople. They don't believe the damn thing we say. But if Auto Trader and KBB and US News and World Report and Motor Trend and Car and Driver and Left Lane News and Auto Week and all these uh, approved, credible sources say good things about it, put together individual templates for each and every unique make and model you sell. So, and I can, uh, he can distribute this deck later, but I've built out, if you use an autoresponder, a plain text autoresponder, what needs to be there and what it looks like, but it needs to be short, and I'll just give you two things. It needs to ask a couple quick questions, and my favorite question, as I said, have you had the opportunity to test drive? I always wanna open up people's range of considerations. One thing we do too much is we try to drill people down onto one car on the phone and email or one product, rather than actually opening up the range and figuring out what are all the different ones you're considering, because then it gives you a lot more that you can invite them in to look at. My apologies, not look at. I never train anybody to look at anything. You can look at crap online. You can see it online, you can check it out online. Nobody wants, I never, everybody says, sell the appointment, not the car. That's stupid. Who likes scheduling appointments? God damn, I can't wait until I make a couple calls today and schedule an appointment for myself. No. If you never had a scheduled appointment to see a doctor, oh, I don't know if you guys do. This is a state's problem. Because otherwise, they'd be like, I'm sick. So you guys beat us terribly on that in that regard. Um, but with that said, I will say nobody likes setting appointments. I don't believe in inviting people in to look at stuff. I invite them in for actionable information, a test drive, a trade appraisal, a credit approval, the purchase. I say something actionable that they will be accomplishing there to, because rather than just checking it out or checking it out or talking about it, uh, and again, first response, I will have him give it out so you can see everything that we recommend in a first response. But these things need to be short. The average consumer nowadays only reads the subject line. We already know so few people open it. So in the subject line, and I did write, I just like the customer's first name there. So if you use a CRM that does not allow you to put in a customer's first name in the main box dealer socket. Uh, but I, I, I'm not going to mention any names, but if, 
is God forbid, if you see your name there, you know it's even slightly personalized for you. Uh, and the product. Try to get away from using your dealership name in the subject line because in Gmail that all goes in the promotions tab. They know as soon as you attach a Toyota, Honda, Chevy, Ford, any of those things, Nissan, it goes into the promotions tab. So go away with just the, the product name, not your dealership name, the product name by model. So what I like to say, like a uh, perfect thing would say, Sean dash your Corolla info. Something as simple as that, that will get through spam if it's plain text every single time. Uh, even replying back to a customer. We cannot just answer customers' questions. We always need to be asking questions on top of our response back to them and having, uh, you know, trying to offer additional information above and beyond that. I'm going to try to burn through this so I can uh, get Brent up here because he's better. But there's four things I hear people saying over and over. And we've got to strangle this out of your team's uh, vocabulary. Is that, are you still interested? Are you still in the market? Have you bought yet? Hey, I haven't heard from you in two weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that haven't heard from you in two weeks is always in an automated email that reaches the customer a day after your salesperson spoke to them. So it looks like nobody's working inside. It's too easy to say yes or no to one of these things and immediately end follow-up with your customers. So if you say, hey, are you still interested? No, thanks. All right, see you in the next four years from now. Are you still in the market? You know, are you still looking? Nope. Okay, I'll go kill myself. Like, nobody... <laughs> Stop asking easy questions to get them off of your follow-up list. Ask smarter questions that even if they answer it. Oh, here. Oh, yeah, I didn't hook up audio. It doesn't matter. Um, and I'll go through some basic data, but if you can connect with a customer in under 10 minutes, they have three times more likely to visit your dealership. Three times more likely. Sorry, or is that 20 minutes? Oh, then people that got back 20 minutes or longer. So I will tell you, my process is, depending on your setup, I don't care if you call first and then email, or email and then call first. I will tell you, statistically, what we've been able to see is you engage more people if you call first. Your closing ratio is better if you email first, though. If I had a BDC that is stationary in front of computers, I would expect them to email first and then call right after. And I use the email to set up the call. If I have salespeople handling leads, then I'll let them call first, because their response time is typically about 10 to 15 minutes slower than that of a BDC's. So I know that time is, uh, time is running out. But do not stop the clock. There's no value in it. If you look in your CRM and you see notes in the system that just say SC, 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 then they're just lying to the system for the sake of lying to the system. I don't need the customer's stop clock. That's a, I don't need the CRM stop clock. I want a customer to get a response back as fast as humanly possible. So long as it's a quality response, it doesn't matter to me what's in the CRM, what the response times are. And did I turn something off? Hey, well, I just went through. Um, just um, talk to me, Goose. <laughs> Great. Either way, a uh, few of my rules, and again, every single email should have an entirely different topic. Any email, every template built out in your CRM, and I'm fans of templates, because guess what? You did not hire your salespeople to write grammatically correct sentences with well thought out replies. Uh, so for that reason, load their fingertips as much as you load their lips with phone training, load their fingertips with the right things to say. But every email, uh, number one, should have a different, 
Yeah, well, no, 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 not just that, because that's just uh, if this, then that. I'm saying, like, why buy from us is third-party validation templates, uh, uh, surveys from managers uh, have different, unique uh, triggers that can capture customer, understanding more about the trade, things like that. Every email should be sent based on the time of a lead. So if a lead comes in at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, I schedule all my emails to go out 22 hours later and 46 hours later and 70 hours later. And I want those phone calls to happen to the customer 24 hours later, 48 hours later, 72 hours later. People are creatures of habit. So I, if I know somebody is has the personal time to do some shopping to submit a lead or fill out a form field at four in the afternoon, then I know that probably 4 p.m. the next day is a good time to reach out with, for, to them as well. So I will always try to preface the email so people check their emails all day long through their phones. If I can get them an email just a little in advance of my team calling them, then there's some front of mind awareness, the more apt to pick up the phone. And now you're no longer just calling saying, are you still interested? You're calling saying, hey, the only reason for my call is my manager just sent over a survey to you. I just want to make sure you received it. Give me a call back at this number. If I don't hear from you, I'll call you again tomorrow. You don't need to ask questions. You can say, did you receive it? But you don't have to say, are you still interested? Are you still in the market? You need to be uh, letting people know that there's an email out there for them. You want to make sure it's getting to them. Every, and I said, every follow-up call should be preceded by an email. Every email must have a different topic. Um, as we grade how thoroughly people are following up with their opportunities, we figured out these are the core things that actually matter. Is what are the results? Well, I'll start with the top, but timing plays a major, uh, major amount of importance. How quick are they doing it consistently? What content are they sending? Are they sending pricing information? I will tell you that does play, pricing information outbound plays a major role in whether or not you receive an additional engagement from them. If you withhold price, you're delaying the sale and delaying conversations. That goes for on your websites as well, ladies and gentlemen. Engagement, are you generating engagement? And if so, how much effort is your team putting forth? We're looking at how many emails they're sending, how many calls they're making, how many texts they're sending. So there's a lot of boring information that your sales managers are not gonna look at, but somebody in your store needs to take a very close look to understand what are we doing with all these internet leads? Do not work with somebody who just uh, recommends, hey, you're uh, getting 100 leads, you're selling 10 cars, let's get you 200 leads, because guess how many you're gonna sell? 20, that's stupid. <laughs> improve your processes, improve your messaging and your communication and your team's understanding of that, so you say, okay, let's get you up to 15. And once we max that out or plateau, maybe that's the saturation of your market, then you can buy more leads, so it's 30. But why spend more money at something if you're not really cultivating enough engagement out of what you already have? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, by and large, yeah, it's a it's a people it's a people issue, but, or a technology issue. People or yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yes, it's exactly all of it. That's why you sort of I'm saying bring it all together. People can be lazy. People can have great work ethic and work with substandard tools and it hinders them and handcuffs them from being able to connect with customers the right way. They also could be doing their job and they could have good tools, but you got a crap process and it's not engaging with customers and it's got all the wrong messaging. Or you could have great messaging and you could have great tools and you have shite for people who just are unwilling to complete those tasks. So that's why it takes 
uh, a teacher, if you will, to put it all together, and hopefully that person exists in your store. So real quick, I'll end with a, I always call a CRM utilization quiz. How successful you're gonna be at handling internet opportunities, and I'm trying to get out of this gentleman's way so you can see, because I am like, I could block out the sun if I wanted to. <laughs> Is, uh, is how you are following up with this. So I'll just say, do you have people that log customers in the CRM consistently? Or do you have people that when they do log them, it's with a slightly different spelled name or a slightly one phone number off and they know to go, see, these guys are pointing like, those sons of bitches skate us all the time. <laughs> this does happen. People will go and just log incorrect information so they don't have to share that customer sale with anybody else. So how do you log people into the CRM? Are these scheduled activities, I'm a big believer, as I said before, scheduling the thing to fire on the minute or the hour rather than by the day. I know some CRMs just, they take all your batched emails together and they blast them out at three in the morning as long as they can. And then they submit white papers out that say the best time to send emails and to get them open is first thing in the morning. Well, of course it is if you can only send them, for, send them at three in the morning. But what I'll say is, um, do it by the minute and the hour rather than by day. Most of us don't want to read a lot of emails first thing in the morning. We want to work first thing in the morning. We, want to, we don't want to do all the personal stuff. We want to do the personal stuff later in the afternoon. So try sending it later. There's a reason Google, if you own a small business, and Jason could probably agree to this, Google, when you're advertising with them, calls you once a month to get more money from you between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. all the time. It doesn't matter if it's 5 p.m., 7 p.m. their time. It matters if it's 5 to 7 your time because they know that's when most people pick up the, the phone. So God forbid if, if somebody doesn't reach somebody when a lead first comes in first thing in the morning, I always advocate a second call at least on day one. Between 5 to 7, you're going to get a lot more engagements. And don't just schedule things based on the day it arrives, day two, day four, day, day, everything, every serum sets you up with day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day seven, day 14, day 21, day 30, day 45, day 60, day 75, day 90. That's what every serum does. Mix it up. Day 11. Oh, shit. <laughs> day 19. Day 23. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason, but you don't have to batter people ongoing after day 30 much. And if you do, don't do it on the, on the even numbers when, that, CRA, when that, that lead that went to every other dealer, they're all following up on those exact same intervals or they've given up. Uh, incorporate inventory, visual emails into, or emails, visuals into your emails. Did I say that wrong? Inventory images into emails. I can't say that again. Uh, because people don't always remember what they write, they remember what they see. The average consumer that submits a lead submits a form field submission on a new car, submits it to four different dealerships ships on used cars, on five different used cars. Doesn't matter the dealership, five different used cars. So you can guess whether or not it's a dealer website lead or not, that they've probably already engaged with a few other dealerships as well. That's why timing is of the essence. That's why you've got to use visual imagery, whether it's just video, video of yourself or images of the inventory to make them remember what the heck they contacted you about. You desk from the CRM, and you don't just desk from the DMS, that gets saved. When your managers are looking on to put a number on a, on a trade, they take into consideration the lifetime value of that customer, rather than treating every single customer that walks in the same, like they're brand new. Somebody that's done business with you and has bought two cars from you before, gets that extra money. Maybe somebody who lives far away, not gonna use your service, doesn't. Seven minutes, oh, I'm done, I'm, I'm wrapping up. I've, I've given them that much extra time? Yeah. 
I'm trying to, I'm trying to get through here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just don't want the thing like it's uh, it's it's Vince Vaughn in Pen in Pen Teller's like Pen Gillette's voice yelling at them. Um, I can't express to you the importance of adding notes to the CRM, especially if you have a BDC backing people up. So uh, reinforce notes, notes, and as many darn notes as you can get them to do. Uh, there are a lot of people who just go with no notes, and I think if you've looked at the back and forth, the good and the bad you'll see that there's salespeople on your floor that are guilty of this more than they're great at this. And that's what we need to dissect from the floor. We do have a, pro a people problem in our industry. See how I'm starting to talk slower now. We do have a people problem in this industry. One of the worst things about our industry is that if you sell cars for one day, literally one day, you can walk into any other dealership and get hired that day. Agree or disagree? No, it's the truth. It's we. Uh, I mean, I used to build out an, an interview process. Well, finally, because I was sort of likable but also feared, my dealer put me in charge of firing, which is never. I don't care who you are, except for like one time I was happy about it. It's never fun to let somebody go. Um, as soon as I was able to be put in charge of of hiring where I created an interview process where people had to come back three different times and meet with four different managers over the course of time. And if we were hiring for a manager, I used to even let a salesperson interview them, but I trained my managers how to interview. Otherwise, they just say, so uh, you were over at uh, Bill Jacobs, huh? Yeah. Is uh, Sean still over there? Yeah, no, good guy, good guy. Yeah, he just played poker. So, uh, so you were over there for a year, year and a half? Yeah, good, good. So um, Cubs fan? Uh, okay, yeah, no, I'm a Cubs fan. Your socks, uh, whatever. I like him. I like. I say. I say he's go. Like, there's no, there's no barrier to entry into getting a job in this industry. It's 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 a real problem. If we made it more difficult to work there, if we made them meet with more people, if we asked the right questions and challenged them and let them know our expectations of them on a 30, 60, 90 day goals, if we had an orientation process that once they started, it wasn't just that's a key machine. Janice will get you logged into the CRM, so uh, have at it. Like that is how most are just indoctrinated into this industry with little to no training. I did not receive training. I was never fortunate enough to have somebody come into the store and train me. I just had to learn trial by fire on what I liked and what I didn't like. And thankfully, I just always adhered to the idea that if I were the customer, what would I want? And whatever that was, I would give them. I don't care if it got me into trouble or not, whatever it was, I would give them as far as I was able to. And I was able to accomplish more doing that than just following, yeah, God bless you. Was that a sneeze or did somebody like step on a, a badger? badger. <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, but either way, going back, I'll get on back on track. I just, as soon as I knew I had extra time, I was going to go off on a rant. <laughs> now it becomes Exactly. Loquacious. Left message, Jesus. Anybody who's ever looked into a CRM, I will tell you, sees LM or LVM a thousand times. I just, uh, I just, we were looking at one. I was training in Cleveland last week, and this verb, and this, uh, it said, NC. I'm like NC. I got, I got nothing. I'm like I don't. I, that's what a salesperson put in is NC. Uh, yeah, and 
And so the BDC calls them up to follow up to see how did your experience go? What did you like about the vehicle? Uh, did you, were you offered to test drive? Is the vehicle you test drive the one you'd like to own? What prevented you from purchasing? The basic questions. Alas, the customer blows off on them. I specifically said, do not contact me again. But the salesperson, because apparently you pay for letters. <laughs> the salesperson couldn't write no contact. That was too much for him. So instead, he chose to just write NC. And put, could have, if the customer wanted to be litigious, get them into some legal ramifications. Because they, as soon as they say no contact, they're done. You're opted out. And again, but the, uh, the, best, the best of us are figuring out ways to use technology to manage the people who sell the cars or use technology to facilitate people buying cars. And the worst of us are using technology to sell cars. People don't want to be sold. People like to buy. We don't need technology just to sell them. It Inevitably, I think we all recognize if you want a long-term relationship with a customer, if you want them for a quote-unquote customer for life. There is a value, though, in them having a physical relationship. Not, not a physical relationship, like, oh, shit, Frank's on her again. Um, <laughs> but, but a real relationship with somebody, rather than, just, uh, rather than just making them feel like one more number. So anyway, learn how to grade your people. Because the AI, I'd say, as we grade people, I will tell you the first six, uh, well, six weeks, eight weeks we grade every single internet person, they're all C's or lower. They all get back to customers one to four hours. Some under an hour, but not with consistency. Definitely not sending consistent pricing. Definitely, I will tell you a stupid statistic, 70% of people never make a call after day three. 70%. These are people that know I'm watching. They know someone's watching and they don't make a call after day three. So with that said, do your best to make the grade. I'll get through it, and I'll, we'll let my uh, Brent up. But again, I really want to thank Jason for putting this all together. It's fantastic. I keep getting sort of lost in the lights out here uh, for putting this together. It's going to be a great event, but I appreciate you all. I'll be here. Ask me any questions, and I'm happy to help. <laughs>